the decision. His very existence was an impossibility, an anachronism. Looking at it from a scientific point of view, Tommy shouldn't have existed at all. And yet he had been there, utterly real, and with a human body, regardless of what science had to say about it. At any rate, Tommy was here and lived among us for several weeks, and that was enough time for him to get to know plenty of people, both good and bad. God knows I wasn't the only one that knew Tommy, though I have to say that only a handful of people knew what I knew, and those who didn't belong to this inner circle really had no idea who Tommy actually was. Sometimes in secluded moments, holding a glass of red wine up in front of my eyes, I was overcome by a great fear that I had dreamt the whole episode with Tommy. But Tommy wasn't a ghost. At home, absolutely everything reminded me of him, his room, the furniture, even the knives and forks. When signals like that are flying at you from every direction, you can't really escape your past. So I tried to find an excuse, and painfully realized that Tommy would have reprimanded me for my lying. As a result, as I said to Mario, the barman at the Suvretta House Hotel, I had suddenly felt that a change of air would do me good. And the air in St. Moritz seemed the best air of all. A wise decision, said Mario, and started telling me about various incidents that he had experienced during his thirty years at the Suvretta House Hotel. As I listened to Mario's accounts, I honestly felt my breath catch in my throat. Seeing as most of the guests at this time of the evening were still chatting away in the dining room, I invited Mario to join me in a bottle of champagne. He declined, as he had only just started his shift. Three hours later, still propped on my stool and staring bleary-eyed through the array of bottles lining the mirrored wall behind the bar, I thought I saw the examining magistrate from Zoloturn coming towards me. "'Send that man away,' I commanded Mario." but he couldn't see anyone, and his assistant, too, assured me that no one was there. It's now around eleven o'clock in the morning, and the young ice princesses are turning pirouettes on the ice rink down below. I'm totally embarrassed that I threw my glass at the mirrored wall last night. I apologized profusely to Mario, and generously recompensed him for the damage. At least that grinning face had disappeared after my clattering throw— Later on, I will go and apologize to the hotel director and say to him that I cannot explain my wild outburst and that it must be due to overwork. And in the very moment that I am concocting up my excuse for my poor behavior, I feel the touch of breath behind me that I had felt so often during those weeks when Tommy had stared over my shoulder while I was working at my desk. I can hear him gently mocking me. Eric! That lie is totally unnecessary. Great. But what are you supposed to do when you can't tell the truth because it's too unbelievable? The hotel director didn't hold my excessive behavior against me, although he let me know, in his extremely distinguished manner, that repeating the event would be severely frowned upon. I took his hand and promised him he had nothing to worry about. And I didn't feel that I was lying. In the meantime, a few rays of sunshine have begun to poke through the clouds. I'm sitting with a strong cup of black tea in front of me, 
trying to come to grips with myself and my situation. It's exactly two days since the examining magistrate from Zolotern revealed that, for the time being, he would not be needing any more statements from me. For the time being. With these people you never know what's coming later. They had questioned me for days. The experts, the forensic specialists, the detectives, and, of course, the dogged examining magistrate. Keller Hunts, he was called. Killer Hunts, more like. They had wanted to know every single tiny detail about what had happened, and, with hindsight, I should be happy that they didn't take me into custody. I told the truth in every...